Welcome to TNT with Teresa Quinlan and Reese Thomas. We are friends from across the pond on a life evolution. We want to bring you topics that challenge your status quo, guests that help you think differently, and nuggets of wisdom that spark being. Being what? You. Authentic you. Okay, today we welcome Kimberly Davis and Heather Younger. Kimberly is an expert on authentic leadership who shares her inspirational message of personal power, responsibility, and impacts with organizations across the US, as well as teaching leadership programs worldwide, most notably her program on stage leadership. She's a TEDx speaker and she has the award-winning book, Brave Leadership, Unleash Your Most Confident, Authentic, and Powerful Self to Get the Results You Need. It was named number one book to read in Inc. Magazine and the most impactful book to read in 2018. And not to be outdone, Heather Younger is the best-selling author, international TEDx speaker on adversity, podcast host on leadership, facilitator, coach. She's earned a reputation as the employee whisperer. Her experience as a CEO, entrepreneur, manager, attorney, writer, coach, listener, speaker, collaborator, and mother all lend themselves to a laser-focused clarity into what makes employees tick. Her book, The Seven Intuitive Laws of Employee Loyalty, hit Forbes' must-read list and is a go-to source for HR professionals seeking insight into their organization's dynamics. Welcome to Powerhouses to the TNT community. Thank you. This is exciting. I'm so excited to be with all of you today. Thank you both for coming. So before we kick off in this, we should start with how you two know each other, how you two have formed this relationship, how you guys have come to, I think the topic we're going to talk about is bravery, but I think maybe best if we start with the backstory to this this amazing relationship. Who wants to go first? <laughs> okay, Kimberly, you're going to start because I think you're going to start better. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I think on LinkedIn, it was Sarah Elkins, who is a wonderful person. And if you all are not following Sarah Elkins, you need to be following Sarah Elkins because she's doing amazing things in the world. But Sarah runs this fantastic conference called No Longer Virtual. And so I was kind of working my way through all the remarkable people that tend to hang out with that group of people. And Heather was one of those people. So we had been engaging with one another on LinkedIn for months. And, and I finally said, okay, enough enough I need to get to know you and we set up a call and I was on my way driving to Dallas from Austin Texas where I live and I teach for a Southern Methodist University for the Cox School of Business and so I was getting ready to go teach and I thought well I'll just call Heather on my drive and so we started talking and it was I think supposed to be a hour-long call a half an hour long call I think an hour and a half later we, we finally <laughs> hung up and my voice was hoarse and I had to teach that night um, but I will let Heather tell you what unfolded on that call. Oh gosh, we both found out. I think we both found out we were going to this conference called Work Human at somehow. And she goes, oh, would you like to room with me? And we didn't even know each other before that. Again, so she, would you like to room with me? And so we were able, we met each other at Work Human conference and we roomed together the first time. And then we roomed together a second. Did we move together a second we time? Did. We did. We've done two yeah. Work Humans together. So we did two. And then we almost did a third with No Longer Virtual, but then uh, COVID hit. And so I was stuck there going, where's my roomie? So, you know, two people really not having known each other and really built a pretty strong bond of sisterhood. Immediately, almost immediately. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, they say things, uh, great things are meant to happen. And that was certainly true in my relationship with Heather. And, and I think it might be true in my relationship with Teresa and Reese as well today. 
Um, yes, I totally want to be part of the sisterhood, br brotherhood dynamic. Exactly. Thank you, Andrews. You can be honorary. That's <laughs> only true for Teresa and I as well. There's that uh, immediate click, and then you know, good things have come ever since, as as you said. So, what's on your hearts today? What is it that you want to talk to us about? Well, it's interesting. We were, you know, obviously one of the foundations of, of the foundation of Kimberly's work is, is this idea of brave leadership. And, and as I was thinking through um, how she is one of my very closest friends, you know, exhibits bravery, a story just popped into my head. And it was an instance, gosh, I don't know if that was like five months ago, four months ago. I can't remember exactly when it was, but I remember we were just kind of in the crux of what was happening after George Floyd. And there was so much confusion and for a while, people had gone kind of silent, particularly people who were white. They were going silent because they were kind of like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I have all these feelings going on. There's some, in some cases, guilt, in some cases, like just almost just like not knowing what to do, just a sense of helplessness, not going on inside the brains. And I had a couple of very close friends who kind of were that way. And I was like, I'm not hearing from them. What's going on there? I know that they usually come out to me, but what's going? And so at some point, I don't know if I called you or you called me. I think uh, I called you. I, I am pretty sure I called you because I was kind of a, an emotional mess <laughs> in dealing with all that and not knowing how to deal with it effectively. And then wanting to be able to be brave in the face of what was ha happening in the world and the United States. And, and in my not knowing, I didn't know how to participate in that conversation. So of course I turned to my amazing friend, Heather, and begged her <laughs> to help me because I didn't know. I mean, I grew up in Montana in a very wonderbred community. Everyone looked pretty much the same. I think the only diversity we had in my entire community was we had one Jewish family and he was the town psychiatrist. And we had a few Native American families, but we really did not have any anybody else that differed from what I look like. My parents had grown up in the South and we had had some conversations around race, but they were very surface conversations. It was one of those conversations that you knew that racism was a bad thing, but you didn't talk about it. And so I never learned how to talk about it. And I even went all the way through college not talking about it. And I have developed many, many rich, remarkable relationships with people of color. And I never had the courage to talk about it because I didn't know what to say. And I didn't want to say the wrong thing. And what I've since realized in not wanting to say the wrong thing, you're also not saying the right thing. You're not taking action in the right way. And I desperately wanted to change that pattern that I was living into because what I, I saw as the foundation of so many of the problems that our country is facing is that too many of us have been silent simply because we don't know the right thing to do. And we're all trying to figure it out. So I turned to Heather to help me figure it out and, and she was incredibly gracious. And I remember Heather was so good with me because she's, you know, I said, I don't really see race. And she goes, well, that's not true. You know, we all see race. <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember saying, yeah, you're right. We do see race. Growing up in the 80s, we were inundated with the right thing to do was to be colorblind. And now I know that that's not the case. In my not knowing, I did not know how to talk about it. So Heather was incredibly helpful. First of all, one of the things I think is at the core of bravery is being able to be vulnerable. 
Mm. And what she allowed me to do is she met my vulnerability and made it safe for me to have this really hard conversation, which I think in, in terms of leadership and influence is one of the most important things that we can do is create emotional safety for one another to be able to have the hard conversations we need to have to be able to move forward together. And Heather was masterful in helping me feel safe and having this really awkward conversation. And when she said, hey, let's talk about this when, when we talk with Teresa and Reese, and I'm like, really? Because I have no expertise in this area and I really don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and that frightens me. And then what convinced me because she's very persuasive. What convinced me <laughs> is, is, is that I realize that brave doesn't happen in the absence of fear. That brave happens when we're willing to take action in the face of our fears and show up anyway. And so uh, this is me modeling. <laughs> this is me modeling, trying to still figure out what it means for me as a human being to be brave in this conversation. And I think that's really the understanding of the dynamic of the act of bravery is the recognition that the bravery is not needed if we're not fearful of anything. Exactly. <laughs> like we just don't need it. We'll just exactly. automatically go about our day in and day out. Right. But bravery is required when, yes, we do not need that vulnerability to lean into our, our own fears, to lean into our own, our own unknown, to lean into what's restricting in our beliefs and our patterns and be able to say the words, I need help. I don't know. Yes. Will you help me? And more often than not, when we show up with a version of that, the other person meets it with, of course, I'll help you because I want you <laughs> to be better in whatever you're asking me about in the area that I might know a little bit about, might have some experience in. I want to help you as well. So of course, I'm going to help you. So yeah. Heather, tell but us. I think in saying that, Teresa, that what's equally important is that really clear intention mm -hmm. of what you want when you're asking the question, right? So you're not going to be met with the emotional safety if you go in saying, you know, like a bull in a china shop. You're going to be met with that emotional safety when you say, I don't know and I want to be better. And being clear about that. And I think owning it is a really powerful strategy to have real human connection around something that's tough to do. So Heather, can you describe to us when that question came at you, how you met it and what you did with it? Well, you know, I think I met it like I always do, to be honest, because I'm always seeking to understand the complexity inside of humans. And so I understand deeply what people are going through, even if it negatively impacts me. It's always just been, my, it's a gift that's given to me. So when someone's coming at me in one particular way, I'm always in my, my, my back mind going, what's going on? What's happening? How are they feeling? And I'm trying to sense where they're at in their space. And so that's what I did with her is I came in a blank slate really. And again, the vulnerability was there is like, I am for the first time, like I don't have those amazing words to say, which she is rarely short on words to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think this I is might one of my best friends. She knows it, yeah. right? But in this case, it was like, what gives here? Because she was coming at me in that way. And I think that's the way to go at it. Fully and completely a blank slate, not knowing, really seeking help, seeking to understand, uh, trying to just dive into the other person's shoes as deeply as we can. 
So since I knew she was coming at me that way, it was just so much easier for me to, to even have, like give the grace and to be as open as I could. And so of course her being a close friend of mine too, and her saying, you know, she, that race was an issue. She didn't see color. And I, I you know, just think, well, yeah, because we all do allowing myself to, um, and let, letting her see that I'm in her shoes too. Cause I think that's the key. Like, you know, I'm not above you and I just know everything. And that was the other thing. The other message was like, I'm in this with you because we all have our own separate lenses. We come at this from our own history. And my history is not the same as the next person's history that looks like me. We all have different histories. And so we, we are just going to approach things differently. Because of my background, I'm able to see all the complexities that are happening underneath the surface because I had to when I was a child. That's why it's easier for me to have that conversation with someone who comes at me that way. If she were to come at me, which she wouldn't come at me that way, but if she were to come at me like she's talking about the bull in the China shop and just like, this is what I think is happening, this is what I think, and like not letting me get a word in, we'd probably have, like, I'd be like, wait, let's come back later. <laughs> let's come yeah. back to each other yeah. later. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just that I, I felt like we needed to bring this up because I think these kind of conversations happen. They may have happened early on, they happen now. And now, even when I'm doing like speaking to groups on this topic, it's like you have to, you know, have to be empathetic. You have to have the courage to have these conversations. You have to really, truly seek to understand and be prepared to be compassionate, which is what now the other thing that Kimberly is doing is she's taking this empathy where it's like, you know, empathy is kind of deep diving into someone's shoes and understanding where they're coming from, trying to understand, really, really seek to understand. And now she's taking that next step, which is in this allyship in her way, which is amplifying the voices of people like a LinkedIn, where it's, I would normally like share this person's thing, or I'm not a sharer, but I'm choosing to amplify this particular voice or this angle. And to me, that also is a sign of courage and bravery, allyship, and, and really solidarity with people whose voices might not be uh, amplified. And so she's been doing that. I'd love for her to share a little bit about that effort that she's been doing in the last at least couple months, her way of showing a solidarity with people. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because I don't know if y'all have noticed, but I think the LinkedIn algorithm's a bit broken. And if you don't tag people, nobody sees anything. And I stopped liking the tag experience personally because I was starting to get 30 to 50 tags a day and I couldn't keep up with anything and I couldn't really focus on what I wanted to focus on and, and I wasn't discovering new material and new writers. And so I decided, okay, this the whole tagging thing's not working for me anymore. So I decided to do things my own way. And so now I organically seek out work that is being done and I will look for new writers and I give myself a very fixed amount of time. I set an hour aside every morning to read new work and I will then share this work with the world. And I don't always agree with the work. Sometimes the work is, this made me think about things in a new way, or I'm not sure I agree with this, but I think it's a worthy perspective to, for us to explore. To me, the key of LinkedIn working the way it should work is that we all lift one another up. We're all sharing one another's things. And then we don't have to then mass tag everyone in our networks in order for, for great work to be seen. But right now, that seems to be what has to happen in order for things to, to be generating traffic. That's a little off topic of the bravery. <laughs> well, I, th I think it kind of is. In my mind, it's, it's an effort to say, Okay, so in the case where you feel helpless, only you have the racial unrest issue, you don't even know what you're like, what the heck? You feel help, what can I do? Who, how can I help voices that aren't heard, whether they're people of color or not? How can we, what can I do? And I felt like in this regard, this was one way that you said, what can I influence? What can I control? 
and you sought out that that's bravery to me in its yeah. full extent yeah. that you sought that out and said, this is what I'm going to do. And now the thing you can control or the voices that you amplify are the things that you pay attention to. And for someone like you, who is an influencer out there in the world, it's a, it says a lot because now those people may never have had their voice heard, but now your name's attached to it and boom, it is found a solution. You decide to be the change you were seeking. Right. And that's why I wanted to bring it full circle. See, I see those things. I, I appreciate see that. I have to use my <laughs> gift to bring it forth. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I really uh, love that new initiative that you started, Kimberly, and I really appreciate you giving the voice to some people that, you know, I've not, I wasn't aware of, and I've, I've, you know, got to know some really great writers because of that. But to circle back to your original thing, you were talking about vulnerability and, and, and bravery and how it came to this question. You painted this beautiful picture about how you two had become best buddies, BFFs, this great connection. So for me, when you have already have you already have that safe space, you already have that um, reassuring position. Was there an element of bravery? If, if you'd gone to a stranger and, and had that same kind of question, that to me would have been bravery. But because you're coming to your you know, your best friend who's already shared everything, yeah. it's a safe yeah. space. And I understand that you know we're trying to imply that the leaders need to create that same environment. But just to play devil's advocate, what? Uh, ironically, I think two days after I had my conversation with Heather. I got a call from a client who's become a friend over the years, and he's African-American, and he started at, shortly after George Floyd was killed, he started an initiative at, at his organization, and he, he works at a very, very large organization on the East Coast, probably Fortune 100, I would imagine, and... Um, what he decided to do was to gather all of the executives in that organization, the African-American executives in that organization, and leverage what they have learned to amplify the opportunities for younger African-Americans moving into the organization. And so my friend John calls me up and he asks me if I would talk about brave leadership to this group. Well, talk about imposter syndrome. I said it would be a privilege and I don't feel like I know what the heck I'm doing. <laughs> you know? Oh my gosh. And so that was exactly what you're talking about, Reese, because on that call, there were 70 African-American executives. I, I knew one of them, my, my friend, John. And I started that conversation, letting them know what, what a privilege it was to be there. And also who am I? to talk to them about bravery in this context. And that's what was going on for me. Who was I to talk about bravery in that context? But then I bridged that conversation to say, hey, the way that we connect with people is to show that vulnerability and that discomfort and lean into it as a means to connect human to human so we can have a richer conversation. And that's exactly what happened with this remarkable group of people is that because I was willing to come to the table saying, I don't know what it's like to be in your shoes. And I hunger to know what that experience is like so I can get better. Here's what I have to offer you in this conversation. And I suspect that what I have to offer you, what you add in terms of your history and experience is going to, to make that so much richer and so much more applicable to how you can make an impact in your world. Me leaning into the conversation by saying I didn't know gave us all permission to not know. And I think when we can do that as human beings, 
we are able to come together and create something that would have never been possible otherwise. And, and I think it's because so many of us have shown up in the world like pretending that we know what the heck we're doing that has probably gotten us into this mess that we're in. Yep. And it's interesting because when you asked that, Reese, too, like I think, yes, there was, there was bravery. There was bravery actually on both sides of that conversation, right? Because we roomed together two times, like we've been talking, we've never had that conversation about race, not really. She, Kimberly no, knew, knew no, a lot no, more. No, no, no. She still to this day knows more about my background than most people do. And so she, we had that conversation, but really not a, a, a discussion about race. And I've always, to be honest, minimized the topic. I've minimized the topic because I don't necessarily want to stand out. So I don't necessarily start talking about that around people. And I am usually the only one who looks like me in a group. So for me to be there in my own right of blank slate saying, I'm here to receive you in whatever way you want to present yourself. I'm here to embrace you in whatever way you want to present yourself. I'm here to meet you where you're at and listen to you and try to help you see things more clearly in both of our shoes and in our circumstances uh, was bravery on my side and it was brave on her side because we just hadn't had that conversation. So it was like to open up and be like, okay, now we're about to take our friendship to a whole nother level. Reveal all these topics to me and pour yourself into me with your experience. So from both perspectives, I think there was bravery going on. There was a lot of courage happening right there uh, and vulnerability in that, in that space. So, well, and Heather, yeah. that, you just brought up something so great because I had never had the conversation with any of my friends of color. I've never had the courage to have that conversation. And so, yes, she is my BFF. Yay. There are some topics that you don't bring up with people, no matter how much you love them, if you don't trust yourself mm -hmm. to have the conversation. And I think that was one of the things that had been plaguing me for most of my adult life is that I didn't trust myself to have a conversation that could have a better outcome, right? I thought I would say something that would offend or my awkwardness would make things worse. Nothing positive could come from that. So why do we talk about that? I think it's in that not knowing that that's our real strength. It's leaning into that not knowing because if we, if we already know, then what do we have to gain? That's the perfect segue to the cocktail of kick-ass humanity that's come out. So the ingredients we've been listening to so far are empathy, compassion, vulnerability, bravery, courage. That's the cocktail. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What it is that, that we need. So I'm curious to know in your, if for your personal experiences, that when is it the hardest for you to use that grounding in humanity? And how do you go about making sure you have it so that you can step in? Do you want to answer that first, Heather? Or do you want I'll go, that's fine. Okay, so I'm thinking like the hardest time for me is when I'm faced with someone who doesn't have that at all, doesn't exhibit it at all. And particularly if I know that's just not how they present themselves, that's not their behavioral style. And so I want to naturally go to what you're talking about, because that's actually my natural style. And it's hard for me to go there. And sometimes they don't want that. So I'm, I'm kind of struggling, struggling between how much of that do I give them because they don't really, they won't respond to it. And so if I don't think they're going to respond to it well, maybe I shouldn't. And so there's just a, a complexity. That's in there. I th you know what I'm talking about. There are those people who just aren't receptive and I, I can use every strategy every skill I can put it out there or <laughs> every, every I want and they are just not having it. So I think that like in those cases, it's a tough spot. It's, it's really hard to do it. It's the truth of sometimes that might be the cocktail for humanity, but when I'm faced with someone who doesn't have their humanity, it doesn't work. 
it totally doesn't work flat out and asking questions of like help me to understand where you're coming from and your perspective and you know what might be a way that you look at it differently and they're just going what the bleep what a bleep are you talking about there's no way it's going to be different I will never change my mind and you're like okay so I guess have a great day or don't <laughs> whatever you're whatever yeah. changes your fancy yes yeah Kimberly what came up for me when you asked that question was, when do I get in my own way of being able to bring those things? Because that's how I aspire to be in the world. And yet I am human as we all are. And what gets in the way of me being able to really put those superpowers into practice is when I've decided about someone, when I made a decision, and we kind of just did that, right? I've decided you can't do that. I've decided you don't bring your humanity. I've decided you're not that person. And when I've decided about someone, I bring judgment into the conversation. I bring judgment into my own thinking about them. And I stop standing in their shoes. I stop using empathy. I stop standing in their shoes and asking myself, and what I talk about authenticity, what I mean by authenticity is, are you genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief through the other person's lens? Because we can say, yeah, I'm authentic. But that's not going to help you lead or influence if you think you're authentic. Great. You think you're authentic. But if nobody else experiences you that way, you're not really that authentic, mm -hmm. right? So from an authenticity standpoint, when you look at it through the, the lens of leadership and influence, when I'm at my best, I can say, what does this human being need from me to experience me as someone who is genuine, who is worthy of their trust, who they can rely on and believe in through their lens, from their history, from their vantage point. I'm employing empathy in action. And then we can find a way to connect because I'm actually paying attention to what do they need from me? Not, this is how I show up in the world and are you going to meet me there on my playing field? Mm -hmm. Now, that said, <laughs> that's me on my best day. <laughs> that's my, that's aspirational Kimberly. But I do think we want as a human's first community, as, as a group of people that care about infusing more humanity into the workforce. If we truly want to do that, mm -hmm. we have to find a way to show up authentically in the framework of other people seeing us. Otherwise we can't create change because they're not going to be able to listen to us. They're gonna be like, what do you mean? Humanity, they're not gonna get it. What has helped me, and I have to tell you what, I'm, I am totally a work in progress in this area. <laughs> but what has really helped me is that when I've decided about someone, I've decided this guy's a jerk. I've decided this person doesn't care. I've decided whatever I've decided about that person. And we tend to live into the decisions we make about other people, right? We mm -hmm. see what we look for. When I feel like I've made a decision about someone, I use that as a red flag to go, okay, mm, hello, Kimberly, you really wanna create change? This is not going to serve you. For example, someone I've decided is a bully. And I'll say that this person's a bully, they don't care, whatever, whatever. What I know to be true about bullies is that nobody who feels good about themselves mm -hmm. hurts other people. And when I can look at it through that lens, then I can come back up and go, okay, so this is someone who is hurting, who doesn't feel good about themselves. What do they need for me to experience me as authentic? Allows me to step back get out of my own judgment and enter into the conversation in a new way.
Yeah. Would it be too simplistic to say there's always room for empathy? You have to learn how to find it. I would, I don't think that's too simplistic. I think that that's, that is like the number one rule of thumb and applying it to ourselves matters as much as applying it to other people. Because, you know, yes. what I know to be true about people who care about people, we tend to beat ourselves up a lot. Yeah. We're our own worst enemies. I could have done that better. I could have done that better. And we're like sitting here going, mea culpa, mea culpa. But you cannot own your power and step into your power if you've been beaten up. Yeah, we have to take the time to care for ourselves, to show ourselves our, a certain amount of compassion. And also, you know, we can get empathy fatigue and I am that kind of person. So, oh goodness, I am an empath to the degree and it's really can be very exhausting. And if I've, particularly as a manager, you know, when I've led teams and stuff before, over time, I had to get to the point where I stopped myself from really getting way too emotionally connected and involved to their pain. And so yeah. I had to get good at saying, okay, I'm going to draw a line here between you know listening and stepping in their shoes and being with them in that moment to, okay, Heather, now you're in their moment. Stop yeah. it. Because then you get to the end of the day and you're like, <laughs> so there is that, that, that line, I think that we have to cross. Some of us, again, some of us have to make sure we don't cross if we are those people who take it on too much. So there, that's, there's some good benefit yeah. there. Knowing those healthy boundaries is huge. Yep. Huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and noticing the noticing and letting go of that judgment is one of the you know most important things that we can all cultivate in ourselves and in the people that we work with. I come from a similar background as Kimberly. She's describing it, you know, where I grew up, it was all the same. There wasn't very much diversity. There wasn't, you know, other people, other cultures, other things to for me to learn from. It was just, you know, this is what it is and, and that's it. There wasn't necessarily a big racial question. It just wasn't really very present. For me, and I'm sure some of our listeners will be the same, I'm really dying to know what was the other side of the conversation with Kimberly told us she was brave, she was vulnerable, she came to you, she asked this question. Tell me, what did you say to her? What do you advise? What do you advise our listeners to who are in that same kind of predicament who don't really know, still don't know what the right response or reaction or, or anything to this specific question? I think we've alluded to some. So one of, the, one of the questions she had is when she mentioned not being able to see race, I kind of just stopped that right off the bat because that's the benefit <laughs> of us. We need to see, we need to see each other's differences and then be able to embrace them and encourage it. And so let's just like, let's stop that language right away. Don't ever say, I don't see your color. I don't see race. No, I don't see your, yeah, that would, that's actually a put down. So that's a little mini microaggression, believe it or not. And we don't want to do that. And then the other thing was, I think the, one of the questions was, do I say black? Do I say African-American? Which I get a lot. And, you know, you can ask different people that I think it's safest to say African-American, but there are there are other people who like to be called black. And so I think if it's a good friend of yours or somebody around you, you just ask them personally, what would you prefer I call you? Like if I'm going to say my my friend or if I'm mentioning you and I want to and it's a descriptor, then how would you want to be called and asking them sometimes because it's more of a personalized um, relationship and experience that you would have. But it's safe if you're going to generalize to be safe to say African-American. And so that's what I, I think I mentioned that to her and I'd said it to plenty of people having those open conversations, I think the best way is to do it like she did, which is just, I'm a blank slate and I am seriously coming to you, vulnerable, open, not knowing a thing, and I'm seeking to understand. And I think that if you come in that way, where it's just like, I'm plopping down like a jello, like I don't even know what's happening right in front of you. And I just want you to help me and like, I'm, you know, mold me in your way and I'll cont I'm continuing to learn and I'm in learning phase. That's the best way to do it. It's when you come at it where, well, my friend was this way and I don't understand this and that, and, and having that kind of attitude where it's just, you're, you're closed to start, you're never going to be successful. And I don't even think that's just on the racial topic. I'm going to be honest. When you have a conflict inside the workplace, 
when you have an issue with someone that's different from you or, or that thinks differently, even if they don't look differently, you know, coming at that in that kind of plop down state of blank slate, right? Of like, I, listen, I'm frustrated, but I don't know why I'm frustrated. There's something that happened here. And why did this happen? And I don't really know why. And when you come that way, uh, it's almost self-deprecating. It's like, I'm not so intelligent as I thought, you know, then people are, they just kind of relax into it and they go, okay, now we can actually have a discussion. And I think that's really the best way to come at it. That's what I would tell anybody else. Well, I, I feel like now, I mean, and I kind of felt this before, but it's been amplified that I could talk to you about anything, Heather. I mean, I don't think there is an off limit. I and mean, we've talked about some pretty serious <laughs> topics, right? I don't think we can, there is a single topic that I couldn't turn to you and safely feel that we could, we could have a conversation around it. One thing that came to mind is we're looking at this through a very US centric lens. Reese, I don't think African-American would probably work in the UK. <laughs> yeah. That's why you have to ask. Well, that's, a, that's what I'm saying. That's why you have to ask that person that's you know sitting across from you. But it, the fact is, is if you go as a blank slate and you go as like, I don't know, I'm like, really, I'm seeking to understand and I wanna make sure I, whatever I do, I'm not offending you. I wanna make sure that whatever I do, I'm building a bridge between you and I, and I'm not breaking them down. And when you come from that place, I think it's just really hard for someone to be mad at you. You know, they well, just- and it's, uh, it's, it's even bigger than that. It's this sincere desire to know you, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know how you see you because that's what I want to embrace is the you that you want to be seen as. But, uh, you know, to, to your point, Reese, would I have the courage to have that conversation with Tony? Well, you know what? I hope that more conversations like this help bridge that courage, right? And I think the more that we have these really weird, uncomfortable, awkward conversations about some of these topics, the more that we can show up courageously in our awkwardness, right? Yeah. Around the areas where we want to get better. Yeah, we do have to get really comfortable on that. Comfortable on the uncomfortable. Sorry about yes. that. Sorry. So I was going to say that I think it might also be really helpful to watch the expectations we place before having those conversations that this is going to be great. It's going to build a bridge. I'm going to learn so much. We're going to get so close together. Or this is going to be a train wreck. Like watch, right. watch the storytelling you're creating before having the conversation. And if anything, maybe, maybe only check in with what's my intention. And yeah. let me, let me, yeah. let me articulate my intention at the front end of the question I want to ask, and right. then just leave it there, put it like, leave it there to open the dialogue, because right. that truly is the blank slate of mm -hmm. expectations create the slate. Right. I'm aiming for removal of an expectation, but what you have left is intention. I'm intending to understand. I'm in intending to create a bridge. I'm intending to remove some of my own judgments and biases that I yeah. know are there. Yeah. I don't know any different. And I'm hoping that you can help me to see different, know different, learn different, because my goal is to be different. Anyone that is willing to say, okay, that sounds great. Even anyone that's like, I don't know if I could do that for you. I'm like, okay, I don't know either. Let's give it a shot. Are we willing yeah. to just give it a shot and see where it yeah. goes from there? But I do think that requires some real, real, real truth telling, because a lot of times when I've wanted to understand and I've gone in with the intention to understand, mm, 
underneath that, there might be a hidden intention to convince, right? To convince them against my argument, you know? So really being clear that if you are saying that you just want to understand that you are listening to understand, not listening to prove them wrong. If your intention isn't clean because you're not telling yourself the truth, then it's going to affect the way that the situation unfolds. Yeah, agreed. So much awesomeness shared. And as Reese often articulates so well at the end of our end of our conversations is we could talk for hours with you guys. <laughs> it then also means perhaps episode part two, like so excited to be able to have the potential of that. So our audience, once they get these sort of nuggets and stories and feel the connection from you and the wealth within you want to be able to say, how do I find more of this person? Because I want to hear more. I want to know more. So Heather, what's the best way for people to be in touch with you? Well, I think, I mean, LinkedIn's probably the easiest way to find me. And I post lots of content there. It depends on how you want to access me, right? If you're interested in seeing me speak more, I would go to my YouTube channel, which is Heather Younger. Or if you are um, wanting to get more of like the written word, then I have, you know, two different newsletters that I put out every week at heatheryounger.com or at employeefanatics.com. So there's tons of different ways, I think, to, to access that. I do, I do like to interact with people. So it's not, let's not just be one way. You know, you can get it. And then I want to, I want to see your stuff. I want to make sure we're interacting and keeping in touch too. Wonderful. And Kimberly, how about you? Well, I am a firm believer that brave does not happen in a vacuum, that we need each other. And so that's why I'm all over the place. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Twitter. I, I'm on Facebook as a Kimberly Davis author, and uh, my website is braveleadershipbook.com. So I encourage people to do is let's just join the conversation so we can elevate one another in the brave conversation. Wonderful. All right, it's time for the rapid fire Q and A. Oh, no. ah! <laughs> it's five questions. I think it's great if we kind of go, Heather, you answer, Kimberly, you answer. And oh, then no. next question, okay. Heather, you answer, Kimberly, you answer. And the next question. And you know, it's just five things. Rapid fire. What comes to mind? There's no right or wrong. Oh, excellent. Good. I like that. Are you ready? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, coming to you first. Which emotion catches you off guard most often? Anger. Kimberly? <laughs> like, me too, me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the second question. What do you do to regulate that emotion in the moment? Who's it for? Both of you are answering. <laughs> <laughs> we already broke the rules. Uh, I have to step out of the comment. I have to step, step out of the situation. I am um, much better when I can step away. And, I, and I'll say, I, you know, I need to step out of this for a second. I can process it. I can get clear and then I can step back in. Stepping away is huge for me. Ditto. Big sense for me. Nice. Great strategy. Awesome. I love that. Personal recognition and asking for what you need so you could be better. It's great. All right. Question three. What is next in your personal evolution? Hmm. For me, it's actually not being afraid to tell my own stories. Excellent. Uh, for me, we're moving to Costa Rica. My whole life, I've wanted to live in another country and speak another language fluently. And I am anxious to find out what kind of human being I become in this adventure. Are you learning a new language then? Spanish. Hola. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know 
Now we'll keep. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right, number four. When your best friend is having a meltdown, what do you say to them? Kimberly? I love you. It's okay. What, what do you need from me? Thanks. Heather? Do you want a hug? Nice. Last question. In this moment, what are you most looking forward to or most hopeful for? I'm most hopeful for a vaccine because I'd like to get, I'd like to, I wouldn't say get back to normal, but I'd like to, there's some things I want to do and it's keeping me back and it's keeping a lot of us back. So I'd like to not see people sick and dying and all that right now. I, I would agree with that. I think that would change the world if we had a vaccine and hopefully this time has given us a chance to uh, awaken ourselves to new possibilities. Thank you both so much for being here, for sharing your wisdom, your story, your connection story, the personal pieces, really allowing our audience to get to know you a little bit better. It's been a pleasure. This, I am really grateful for this time with y'all. Thank you for having us on. This has been awesome. Anytime. My day. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, like Teresa said, I feel like we really only just touched the tip of the iceberg here. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly when you're moving to Costa Rica. I know things probably have been uh, put on hold, perhaps, but um, I will make sure I've got great internet, Reese. Yeah. So, this is not <laughs> to look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of TNT. Please share, subscribe, rate, and review. And when you're ready for your personal evolution, check out Reese at trueselfcoaching.com. And for your emotional intelligence revolution, check out Teresa at iqeqtq.com.